From Schwartz Media, I'm Beth Atkinson Quinton. This is 7am. They may be 12 months late, but the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games are finally here. After being postponed last year, the 22nd Summer Games officially begin tonight, in the middle of Japan's third wave of COVID-19 and amidst a pandemic that is still raging across the world. Tens of thousands of athletes and officials have poured into Tokyo, but stadiums will be empty, with fans prohibited from taking part. But with athletes pulling out and more and more participants testing positive for COVID-19, are the Games really worth it? Today, journalist Kieran Pender on what it's like to have front row seats to the biggest experiment in the world right now. Kieran, last time we spoke to you, we weren't even sure if the games were going to go ahead, but here we are. Tell me, where are you speaking to me from? I'm speaking to you from my hotel in Japan, so I guess they really are going ahead. It's feeling a bit claustrophobic because I'm going to be here for most of the next 14 days other than when I'm out at Olympic venues. Um, But I'm in the centre of Tokyo. I'm just near Shiba Park and the famous Tokyo Tower. It's really hot uh, it's sweltering hot outside and it's going to stay that way for most of the games. Um, uh, but after the, the turmoil of recent weeks and months and the past year and a half, I'm just delighted to be here. So you've made it to Japan. The games, at least at this stage, are going ahead. Tell me about your trip. What was the journey like? It really felt like a journey into the unknown. So I left Canberra, headed to Sydney, and at that point I still hadn't had my activity plan approved by the Japanese government that I needed to be able to board that flight. Uh, And yet I was heading from the safety of Canberra into Sydney in lockdown, wasn't sure if I'd be able to return, wasn't sure if I'd be able to get on that flight. But only a mere few hours before my flight to Tokyo, the approval came through. There was so much stress. When I was at Sydney Airport on, on Tuesday night, uh, with this bundle of paperwork, people behind me in the line, you know, didn't have the right form and suddenly looked as if their whole trip might be off. Thankfully, that, that person ma- did manage to get in. I had all the right paperwork. I was able to board the flight. Now, we would like to invite boarding crew to, to board at this time. I was joined on that flight by some Australian surfers, uh, some New Zealand triathletes, some Olympians from the Cook Islands and a bunch of other media and Olympic staff. And we, we left Australia and there was this weird collective apprehension. This journey into this crazy experiment. But we made it. We landed. It was this sort of beautiful sunrise over Mount Fuji as we descended into Tokyo. Thank you for waiting, ladies and gentlemen. Passengers involved in the Olympic and Paralympic Games, please disembark the forward exit. And then we spent a number of hours walking around an airport maze of checkpoints, COVID tests, questions and answers. And So I've made it through about 10 lines of bureaucracy. Uh, we've had to hand over our paperwork time and again and I've just given my COVID test we're sitting and waiting uh, with all the other members of the Olympic delegation waiting to be told if we can go on our way into Japan. Ultimately they're less in so I'm here and this is really happening. Okay so sounds like quite an ordeal 
Can you talk us through how we got to this point where we have the Olympics going ahead in the middle of a pandemic? Tokyo 2020 organizers and the International Olympic Committee bowing to global pressure, pressure brought on by the novel coronavirus catastrophe. So they postponed the Games for a year until July of 2021. And ever since, there's been this concern about whether they'd be ready in time, where the pandemic would be by that stage, whether people would be vaccinated. So for the past 16 months, we've just been counting down for these days in in July. COVID case numbers have jumped to the highest levels in four months as Tokyo stages events preparing for the Olympics in just nine weeks. There's just been so much stress and uncertainty. The games are increasingly unwelcome in Japan. Thousands signed an online petition to cancel... But it's all it's all happening. As of Friday, the games are go. And up against almost every obstacle known to mankind, the 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games are here and we couldn't be more excited. Okay, so what's the plan here? They're bringing in tens of thousands of athletes, officials and media, many from countries where COVID is really spreading quite rapidly. How are they planning on keeping both athletes and the wider Japanese community safe? Hope and pray, I think. There's certainly quite extensive countermeasures against COVID. There's you know, a 100-page playbook of how we're supposed to behave while we're here to manage the COVID risk. There's all these rules and regulations. So everyone arriving into Japan had to get two negative tests in the 96 hours before they left. They were tested on arrival. Uh, for me, I'm being tested on day one, two and three of my stay and then subsequently every four days. For the athletes, it's every single day they'll be tested So there's an extensive testing regime. But the paradox is um, that's actually more extensive than the local population here. So there were almost 2,000 COVID cases reported in Tokyo on Wednesday uh, out of a total government-run testing program of only about 8,000 or 9,000 tests. Now, can I compare that to Sydney or Melbourne right now? And that is, you know, woefully low testing. So there's this paradox that, of course, the risk is coming in from other countries. There's already been a number of athletes and Olympic staff who've came in and tested positive upon arrival. But there's also a massive domestic risk here in Tokyo. So everyone, athletes, coaches, staff, journalists, are praying that their phone contract tracing app doesn't ping to say you've been a close contact because your whole games we put into disarray. So among the athletes I've spoken to, their their approach is really to stay in their room. The Australian Olympic Committee is doing all they can to facilitate that. They're providing um, meal service, uh, packaged meals, so that athletes don't have to go to the communal dining hall. The AOC has even brought in their own barista, <laughs> a Melbourne-born, uh, uh, as I understand, um, Japanese-based barista to provide coffee um, to the team so they don't have to leave the, the confines of the Team Australia um, part of the village. So extensive measures, um, but COVID is spreading. There have been a number of positive cases. There are a number of athletes already isolating and with uh, a bit over two weeks of games ahead, uh, I expect that to increase. Okay, so Kieran, they've put all these measures in place. Athletes are staying confined to their rooms. How is it all playing out? The opening ceremony begins tonight and there's a lot of trepidation among athletes, staff and and journalists about how the next two weeks are going to play out. The future of the Olympics is now in question after the CEO announced he's not ruling out cancelling the summer games at the last minute. So far, 79 COVID cases have been reported related to the Olympics. There's also a lot of concern among Japanese locals. Um, 
And there's a real absence of atmosphere. Uh, there's no no signage around. You know, you on my designated 15 minute walk to the lo- local supermarket. You know, it's as if there's no major international sporting tournament going on. And partly that's very understandable given the the wider context, given the pandemic, given the Japanese resistance. Um, but it's really stark. And I've covered major sporting events all around the world and, and there is a certain atmosphere and electricity that normally comes with those and suddenly uh, we just have silence. So we'll have to wait and see, will this big, crazy experiment how the first ever COVID games go off without a hitch. We'll be back after this. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloan Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Kieran, the Olympics aren't really what athletes envisioned when they started training all those years ago. How are the athletes handling these conditions? I think for athletes, um, having the go, getting there, getting to the start line, not getting COVID along the way will be a big deal. Um, For a lot of athletes, the last year and a half have been really trying. A lot of people have been in lockdown, haven't been able to train, haven't been able to compete as usual. So getting to these games is really momentous for them. The athletes I speak to are excited. You know, they've trained all their life. To, to compete at the Olympics for some. This will be the only Olympics they can make. For others, it'll be their debut. For others, it'll be their final Olympics. So they all want to be there. But really, there are, there are twofold integrity concerns. So, so one, there are people who haven't made it um, due to COVID. A number of athletes have pulled out entirely. We have been advised that Alex Dimonur has had a positive test. He said that he's shattered, not being able to come. It's been a dream since he was a child to represent Australia at the Olympic Games. Uh, we saw the Australian basketballer Liz Cambridge withdraw uh, over mental health concerns in relation to being stuck in the bubble. It wasn't a new case that prompted Liz Cambage's withdrawal. The star said she was terrified of heading into the Olympic bubble in a statement saying, the past month I've been having panic attacks, not sleeping, not eating. Uh, we'll no doubt see athletes withdrawn as a result of close contact or positive tests in the weeks ahead and, and then that will have an impact on, on whether the medal tally, whether the results in, in different disciplines match up with, you know, sporting reality. You know, the, the possibility that someone could be scratched before their final because they've been in close contact or they've tested positive, you know, raises pretty challenging uh, dilemmas, I think, for all sporting bodies. Mm. And can you tell me, what's it like watching all of this play out from your kind of front row seat? Do you think it's all worth it? I wrote a column recently where I described this paradox. Um, This shouldn't be 
the way it is. It is deeply problematic. The IOC has forged on with these COVID games. It's very reasonable to look at the state of the world, even for Australians, to look at the situation right now in Sydney, in Melbourne, in Adelaide and say, who cares? It's just sport. There are far more important things. But sport is powerful. Sport is important. For the athletes, they are really committed and dedicated to this. I know for a lot of people in the next two weeks, these games will bring joy, particularly those in lockdown uh, in, in, in Australia. People being able to watch these games will bring joy. And so I think we can accept that and we can appreciate that for what it is, but still hold concerns about the broader context and still be worried about what that means for the future of a sport. Um, that, that is a paradox, and, and I'm not really sure how to resolve that. Um, but uh, can, can we not have it both ways, criticise the IOC and still appreciate that the next two weeks are going to be fun? And speaking of that fun, with more than half of Australia currently stuck at home in lockdown, I'm sure plenty of people are going to be sitting down to watch the games. I know I definitely will. So do you have any recommendations of who we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, this, the swimming, we're going to do well in the pool and it's really a battle of Australia versus the US in a number of disciplines, but particularly in the women's freestyle. Ariane Titmus, young Tasmanian versus Katie Ledecky, the, the, the queen of the pool from the US. There's been a war of words between them recently. Um, we're seeing, uh, you know, a real um, clash for the ages in the 400, but also in the 200 and the 800 metre freestyle. Um, a new Olympic discipline, the uh, uh, the BMX freestyle, Logan Martin, an Australian from the Gold Coast, is the gold medal favourite there. That'll be really exciting. Uh, riders have 60 seconds to ride around a skate park on their BMX bike and pull tricks. It's really amazing to watch. And in the athletics, uh, we have two of the best women's high jumpers in the world, and particularly Nicola McDermott, uh, an amazing young woman from the Central Coast of New South Wales, uh, will be jumping for gold. There's th- Those are a few must-watches, but really across the whole two weeks, there's a lot of great Australian action, so I'd encourage everyone to tune in. Amazing. That's some great hype. I'm very excited. I'm hyped. Kieran, thanks so much for your time today and good luck covering the Games. Thanks. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today... Prime Minister Scott Morrison has apologised for the slow rate of Australia's vaccine rollout. After coming under increasing pressure in recent days to say sorry, Morrison yesterday said, sorry we haven't been able to achieve the marks we'd hoped for at the beginning of this year. And in New South Wales, health authorities recorded 124 new cases of COVID-19 on Thursday, a record high figure for this outbreak. Victoria recorded 26 new local COVID-19 cases yesterday, the highest figure the state has seen this year. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. 
It's produced by Elle Marsh, Anu Hasbold, Michelle Macklem, Cinnamon Nippard, Cara Jensen-McKinnon and Alex Gow. Our senior producer is Ruby Schwartz and our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Brian Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Osman Faruqi. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. New episodes of 7am are released every weekday morning. Follow us in your favourite podcast app to make sure you don't miss out. Tomorrow in the 7am feed, we'll be releasing a new episode of Schwartz Media's arts and culture podcast, The Culture, looking at the campaign to free Britney Spears. I'm Beth Atkinson-Quinton. This is 7am. I'll see you next week.